0: Good morning. All right. You're moving back a row on me. I can see it already. The, the creep has already begun towards the back. Would you uh, pray with me, please? Lord, it is as your forgiven people that we come. Uh, we come uh, with all of who we are to all uh, of who we understand you to be. Help us to be uh, fully present here with you today. Uh, Help us to um, listen well to what your spirit may be saying in and through and around your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you know, we are uh, using the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer as a um, way of thinking our way through this Advent season, and we are on the... Uh, uh, statement about daily bread. And so the verse is very, very simple. You can turn there if you want to, but I've uh, g- gone ahead and memorized it for you. Uh, Matthew 6.10 says, Give us today our bread. Give us our bread for today. Uh, or if you look in the uh, pew version of the text, it will say, give us our food for today. Give us our daily bread. And you might find that idea of daily bread um, to be a little bit interesting Uh smack dab where it is. Uh, If you uh, read the context of this prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer exists right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, right? So some of the most famous, most significant uh, teaching that Jesus ever uh, delivered, all collected into one space, and right in the middle of that teaching uh, is this prayer. And then right in the middle of the prayer, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and then right in the middle of the prayer, is this statement, this petition. Give us bread. Bread. And uh, if you look all around this uh, idea of bread, or that simple word bread, you'll see uh, grand sweeping themes, right? The grand sweeping themes of God's kingdom, and, and God's glory, and God's majesty. And, and you see uh, really... Um, profound and challenging themes of forgiveness and being forgiven and and in and, uh, and that sort of existential struggle of living into the forgiveness that we've been offered and offering that forgiveness to others uh, can consume so much of our energy. And uh, if you look around the prayer itself, you see sort of really complex, thorny, nuanced and challenging conversations about the relationship between the Old Testament covenant of law and the New Testament covenant of grace, and and what is the relationship between law and grace, and, and how do we as followers of Jesus hold those two things together, and volumes and libraries have been written about these grand, complex theological ideas. And right in the middle of all of that, it's bread, something simple like bread. Think about a uh, nice hot loaf of bread right out of the oven. Think about holding that warm bread in your hands. How does it feel? What does it smell like? How does your house smell as that, that bread is baking? Thumbs up. right? What is it What does it taste like the first time you crack open that freshly baked loaf of bread and maybe you put some... Nice butter on there, and it melts in. anybody anybody getting hungry yet? Right? Some yeah. And maybe maybe bread's not. Maybe bread isn't your thing, right? And um, maybe maybe you're, maybe bread isn't for you. And if that's so, I'll never understand you. I'll never understand what kind of a person you are if that's true. But but um, but think for just a minute about what your favorite food is. Right, what what is that favorite you know holiday season? Maybe there's a special holiday dish that you know when you smell that cooking in your oven, or you walk into Grandma's house, or uh, you know the, the family gathering, you can smell that aroma. What what is your favorite food? Or if you can't think of your favorite food, one of one of the top five, right? What are the what, what is something that that just makes your mouth water? Just think, just call that to mind. When do you have it? Who do you enjoy it with? What are the stories about that? Why do you like it? Hey, everybody! Have something in mind? Think of a dish or a food or a, uh, something that you just love. And now, 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 do this for me, right? Just kind of get that into your head. And now, uh, just turn to somebody and and say to them, uh, just what is your favorite food? Just tell somebody next to you your favorite food. Go ahead. right? The, right. Look at, you know, if you could stand here where I am for just a moment, right? If you could stand here, you would see, right? What is that like to tell somebody your favorite food, right? Nobody in here is scowling and angry and, you know, it's not an onerous thing, right? It, it makes you happy, right? It's fun to talk about your favorite food, right? What are the stories and memories and experiences that come along with that favorite food of yours? And if, when you start to to have that that picture and that image, what, what Jesus is saying, that's what the kingdom of God is like. right? You, you've just had a little bit of a taste. You've you just had a little bit of a taste of what the kingdom of God is like. It's, that, it's like a piece of fresh baked bread right from the oven. It's melted butter and it's, it's the aromas and it's the gathering. It's all, all of the stories. and all. He said, that's what the kingdom of God is like. When God's kingdom comes fully on earth like it is in heaven, When God's will is done here on earth, like it is in heaven, you will have each day not just the things that merely get you by, right? Uh, Nobody said soda crackers and and, right. I mean, you don't just get the raw, you know, the basic, most bare bones, minimum things to get by. In the kingdom of God, what happens is you get you get to have the experience of joy, right? You get to experience the good gifts from a God who loves you very much. Humans are designed not just to consume bread. Right? It isn't just a utilitarian deal, but we're created and we're designed to enjoy it and to share it and to be thankful for it. And we enter into all of that joy. And that's a picture, Jesus saying, of the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. And so this morning what we want to do is take this very, very simple idea of bread. We're going to learn something. First of all, we're going to learn something about who God is. And then secondly, we're going to learn something about who we are. And then thirdly, there's going to be an invitation to us. So those three things. um, What is God like? What are we like? And what is the invitation? So as we think about this experience of enjoying bread, right, uh, one of the things that we want to see is that in our experience of joy, uh, we see the goodness of God. Right? In our experience of joy, when we receive the good gifts of God uh, and, and enjoy that, we see the goodness of God. Now l- let's just camp out on that idea for a few moments. The goodness of God is no small thing. Uh, it's not a small thing. Uh, to, to say that God is good is a really big thing. It's a really important thing. It's a significant thing. Uh, and, and you know, we might say, well, I mean. How, how good can God be, right? I mean, he gave us a piece of bread, right? I mean, that's okay, that's okay, but I mean, it's not lavish, right? I mean, it's bread, right? Big deal. God's kingdom is about bread. It seems um, nice, but limited. Um, it, and when we think that way, one of the things that we need to recognize is that we're thinking uh, from the perspective of, uh, of our sort of convenience culture, Right, we're obtaining a piece of bread or obtaining almost anything to eat. right When we lived in Los Angeles one of the, one of my favorite activities was to say, you know any time of the day and night, you know, spin a globe and put your finger on a country and you could go and get something to eat from that country right I mean you know, we, we have access to food from around we have all kinds of access to food. So getting a piece of bread doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But for much of human history, think about and for many places around the globe even today, think about how much time and how much energy, goes into getting enough food for today, right? How much time and energy goes into having just enough food for today? When uh, uh, many of you were on the trip to uh, Guatemala with us a number of years ago, right? And we were just all amazed, right? We were just amazed again to see that every single day, the amount of energy, the amount of time, the amount of uh, uh, labor that went into getting enough food to feed a family, in rural Guatemala just for the day, right? So if you're not doing the hike to go and get fresh water, you're planting or you're harvesting, you're getting firewood, you're preparing firewood, you're starting fires, you're preparing the meal, you're grinding the corn, and on and on and on and on. And there isn't any way to preserve the food. So after, at the end of the day, you start all over again and do everything uh, for the next day. So the, 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 the idea of daily food or daily bread actually intersects with a huge amount of human time and effort and energy and covers a huge array of needs. And so what God is saying here is that God is providing not just a slice of, of wonder bread for you, right? It's not, it's not just the basic minimum, but, but 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 he's saying I will I will care for all of all of the things that you spend and labor and, and invest yourself in every single day to get by. Everything that you need, I will provide for you. I will give it to you. Being provided food is a big gift. And so the bread represents, not just in the Bible, but for us, all of these sort of fundamental human needs that God delights. He takes joy in providing. So, uh, so recognizing that God is good. It's not a small thing. Uh, it's not just a slice of bread. But it's, it's a big, big gift of God's provision and care. And the second thing that we want to say is that seeing God as good uh, is, is no small thing, because one of the deepest and most important questions that you can ask and answer is this What is God like? Okay, if you think of all of the things that, all of the questions that you can ask and answer, one of the most important questions that you will ever, 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 ever ask is what is God like? Right? Is God distant and distracted? Is God angry? Right? When God looks at you, is he scowling? Is God begrudging? Is God demanding? Is God sort of a, a semi-senile old man up in the sky just sort of doddering around and wanting to make sure everybody is okay? Uh, is God an impersonal force? In the universe, right? Is God an unknowable mystery? Is God entered, Is God a person? Is he What is God like? And the way that you answer that question will shape the kind of person that you become. The way that you answer the question of what is God like is so foundationally and fundamentally important that it will shape the way that you live your life. We know that's true of our human parents. Uh, we know that that the way that we grow up in, a, in our in our in our uh, families of origin and, and growing up in a house. We know that our parents shape who we are, uh, whether we acknowledge that or rec- re- whether it's, uh, we want we want to be just like what uh, dad or just like mom or I'll never ever be like mom or dad, right? And then if you say that, then the next thing that you know, their words are coming out of your mouth anyway. So you know you're shaped by your family. If you grew up in poverty where there was never enough, you're shaped by that. Instinctively, at a gut level, if you grew up in a shaming home where you were never enough, you are shaped by that. You carry that with you into your relationships, into the way that you feel about yourself. All of it, it shapes you. When Ben first came into our house, he was shaped by an environment uh, where where there wasn't enough food. Uh, He was shaped in an environment uh, where he couldn't trust his caregivers to give him enough food for today. And so when he came into our house, one of his earliest behaviors was hoarding food. And we would go into his room and we would find pieces of food tucked under his pillow or in his underwear drawer or in his shoes. We'd find food all over his room. Even though he knew he had enough food, that we were going to give him food every single day, uh, he was so shaped by his experience with people in power over him that they were not trustworthy. He was shaped by that to such a degree that even when he was in a new environment where people would give him food, he still had to protect himself. We're shaped by our parents, by our families, by our experiences here on earth. And the way that we experience God, the way that we think about God, the way we construe God in our minds shapes how we live today. And Jesus here is offering a picture of what God is like. Jesus is saying, God is a good God. God is a generous God. God is a God who delights in your joy. Stop and think about that for a minute. If we lived our lives as if, God was a generous God who delighted in our joy. How would that shape you? We're shaped as we pray these words. Give us today our daily bread. Uh, We pray that over and over, talking to God, coming before God, and asking for daily bread. And that shapes us. And by the way, when we ask God for our daily bread, there's never, ever here any hint that we're begging God for something. right? It isn't, it isn't that God has something. God has the bread, and God is you know keeping a stockpile of bread somewhere, and if you beg him enough every single day and, and plead with him, maybe he'll give you a little bit. There's never a hint that God is just sort of begrudgingly giving us a little bit if we beg him in just the right way and if we come to him often enough. Uh, it isn't that he does doesn't want to give us our daily bread. In fact, the word for daily bread is often here translated give us tomorrow's bread, right? So the idea is that I already have enough bread for today, and I'm, now I'm just saying give us tomorrow's bread too. We, we come with a, from a perspective of, of having already received enough. We come with confidence, and we come uh, looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, immediately after World War II, the Allied armies began to Uh, discover that there were a number of uh, hungry and homeless children that needed to be cared for. And they began to gather these uh, children and put them into uh, uh, centers where they would house them and care for them. And even though uh, the children were given affection and they were given enough food and they were given uh, enough care, they didn't sleep well at night Uh, and they seemed restless and always afraid. And finally, uh, a, a psychologist came upon a solution. And what they ended up doing was this. After the children were put into bed, they were given a slice of bread to hold. Just to hold. If they wanted more to eat, they could always be given more to eat. But this particular slice was just to hold and not to eat. And having a slice of bread to hold produced marvelous results. Uh, the child would go to sleep feeling and knowing that she would have something to eat tomorrow. And that assurance gave this child a calm and peaceful rest. Inti uh, Wright writes in Psalm 23, David points out something of the same thing in the feeling of the sheep when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Instinctively, the sheep uh, knows the shepherd has made plans for its grazing tomorrow. He knows the shepherd has made ample provision for it today. So uh, will he tomorrow. So the sheep lies down in its fold with the piece of bread in its hand. Uh, Jesus extends the metaphor even further one chapter beyond this one when he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to get good give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? In other words, think about how much you love your own child. Think about how much love you have for your own grandchild. The intense and instinctive love that you have for your own child might as well be considered hatred compared to the love that God has for you. You might as well be considered evil compared to the goodness of God in God's generosity. What kind of God do we have? Jesus is saying, God is good and generous and reliable, and God delights in your joy. Let that sink in. Let that shape you. Let that form you. Let that become the God that your life reflects. So give us today our bread. We learn something about God. God is generous. And God delights in our joy. God is good. God will provide for us. The second thing is that we're going to learn something about ourselves. And we learn something about ourselves as soon as we start to think about this text for just a moment. The next thing that we see, the, the, the next question that we might ask ourselves is, well, it might be true for some people that God provides But to be perfectly honest with you, God hasn't provided that well for me. Uh, uh, There there were some things that I really did ask God for. There were some things that I really did trust God for. Some things that I really needed from God, and God just didn't come through. Uh, Was it too much to ask for God to be just a little bit more generous with me? Would it have been too much to ask of God for my prayer to be answered? Here's what that reveals about me. Here's what that teaches us about who we are. When I, am, when I am angry at God, when I'm disappointed with God, here's what that says. It says, I have not yet come to a place where I want the provider more than the provision. I have not yet come to a place where I'm more focused on the giver than I am on the gift. Praying for daily bread is never intended to put our hearts on the bread. It's always intended to put our hearts on the God who gives us the bread. Recall with me that this petition for bread comes in the middle of the prayer. The immediate context of this particular position is that Jesus has invited us to call God Father. That's a relational, more than a transactional, Come to God and, and talk to him as a father. We're invited to be involved in the glory of God, to, 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 to honor God's name, to make God's name holy. We've prayed for God's kingdom to come. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're not praying that uh, God would come and snatch people off of the earth and go away to be uh, in heaven someday, but we're praying for the glory and the beauty of heaven to become an earthly reality. In other words, the first half of this prayer is all about God. Prayer that doesn't start with God, prayer that doesn't set our hearts on God, is always in danger of becoming, uh, of, of, of no longer being prayer at all. Right? If my prayer is just always focused on me, my heart is always set on me, very soon it stops being prayer altogether and it collapses just into random thoughts and fears and anxieties in our own minds. Prayer the prayer that Jesus teaches is always going to turn the hopes and fears of all of the years back to God himself. That's the point of all of the great bread stories in the Bible, right? Think of all of the times that God's people in the scriptures are provided bread. Think about the manna, the daily bread in the wilderness, right? When the Hebrew people are are being released from their captivity in Egypt, and they find themselves out in the wilderness. And first, what are they? They're terrified, and they're angry, and they're saying, "You brought us out here into this god-forsaken wilderness, and we're going to starve. We would have been better back in Egypt." And 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 God provides manna for them, right? And then after they've had manna for a while, just enough for each day. Then what? They get sick and tired of it, right? They say, you know, if I have have to eat another piece of that manna, I'm just going to gag on it. How can you, you know, nobody can just live on this manna. Nothing but manna coming out of our ears. And and God says, you you think it's coming out of your ears now? I'm going to give you, uh, you know, more than you can imagine. And and now they're complaining about the manna. And and they're so focused on the bread or the lack of bread or the food or the lack of food that they miss the fact that they're online with the God who has just sprung them from captivity in Egypt. They miss the fact that they're walking in fellowship with the living God. They're so focused on the bread. Or think about the disciples of Jesus, right? You can't pray, give us today our daily bread without thinking of the disciples of Jesus walking around, wringing their hands, saying, oh, my goodness, we've got thousands of people here. Uh, And and Jesus is just babbling on and on and on and teaching the long winded preachers. and, and, And how are we ever going to feed these people? It's not safe. It's not sanitary. It's not good. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, well, we've got some scraps of bread. We've got, we've got a couple of pieces of bread. We've got, we've got some uh, fish jerky here, and, and I don't know. And, and, they, and they just start breaking up the bread, and they start giving out pieces of bread. And pretty soon, they have more bread than they can eat, and they collect baskets of scraps at the end of it. And, and people are amazed. And Jesus says, why are you so amazed? Why is this so amazing to you? Don't you recognize that that life is about more than bread? And don't you recognize that I am the living bread? That I am the bread of life? Why are you so focused on the bread? I'm here. Look at me. And then we think about the stories of, of Jesus with his disciples at that last supper. And again, what does he pick up? Bread. And he says, Look at, I'm breaking this bread, but don't see the bread. Don't just look at the bread. Look at me. This is my body. Look at me. This is where the goodness is. This is where the power is. This is where the joy is. Come to me. Trust in me. And I will give you all the bread you need. But don't focus on the bread. Look at the God behind the bread. I want to say this very very carefully. When I when I recognize that my prayer isn't answered. When I'm distraught and upset because God doesn't seem to be good and God doesn't seem to be generous and maybe God even seems to be silent. I don't want to minimize that experience. I don't want to belittle that experience. It's raw, it's agonizing, it's miserable, and we all have those experiences. And what I want to say is, some of the pain, at least some of the pain that we feel, is the growing pain that comes because we have not yet grown into the kinds of people who are able to let go of the gift and focus on the giver that we haven't yet grown into the kind of focus and dependence on God that God ultimately desires for us. We learn something about God. God is good. God provides. God is generous. God delights in your joy. And it's a big deal. We learn something about ourselves. When I'm upset, when I'm distraught, when I'm angry, when I feel like God isn't answering my prayers, I learn something about myself that, that there may still be some growing to do in me, some growing into the place where my focus and my passion is on God and not on the bread. There's a second response, though, to unanswered prayer. And that response uh, leads us to our invitation. The second response to unanswered prayer, or to that sort of nagging sense that maybe God isn't good, the second response is this. Uh, This prayer is in the plural. This prayer says uh, not my bread, me, mine. This prayer is not my father. This prayer is our bread, our shared collective bread, our shared collective good gifts, our shared collective father. This is a plural prayer. We have a shared experience. And so, we go back to where we started with literal bread. And all of the daily needs, all of the daily provision that that bread represents, clean water, shelter, safety, medical care, all of the provisions that are needed for a flourishing human life. When we say, Give us today our daily bread. Because that's a part of God's kingdom coming. That's a part of God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to recognize that in God's kingdom, everybody has enough. In God's kingdom, everybody has enough. And that's not true of any other kingdom in the history of the world. In God's kingdom, everybody has enough. In God's kingdom, everybody flourishes. God's intention was never, ever, ever that 10% of the population would have 90% of the bread. He never, ever intended that. God never intended to have a kingdom where people lived in starvation or even in malnourishment. That's never God's intention. The question of bread, writes one theologian, for myself is a material question. But the question of bread for my neighbors the question of bread for everybody is a spiritual and a religious question. And he says this, Christians ought to be permeated with a sense of religious importance of the elementary daily needs of people, the vast masses of people, and not to despise those needs from a sense of exalted spirituality. If you were to read on in Matthew's gospel, you would see that much of the rest of the chapter spells this out. If we are truly praying for God's name to be honored, then we can never just pray for food for ourselves. We must pray for the needs of the whole world. We must pray for the needs of a world where millions today are hungry. Many are starving. And as we pray that, we listen to the Spirit, perhaps bubbling up into our own spirits, the realization that if we are truly to pray it, then we might have to do something about it. And we become part of God's answer to our own prayer. Something simple like bread. We learn something about who God is. We learn about a God who is generous, who provides, who delights in your joy, who says, my kingdom is like gathering around a family table with all of your favorite foods. And I want you to be at the party. We learn something about ourselves. We we come to recognize that when we feel mistreated by God, when we feel like we're missing out or God is distant or God isn't answering, It's an opportunity to say, what am I holding on to? What am I exalting above God himself? Where do I need to grow in that? And when I pray for this daily bread, it's an opportunity for me to look around and to recognize that I am part of the answer for somebody else who's hungry. I'm part of the answer for somebody else who's thirsty. I'm part of the answer to somebody else's need. And may God's name be honored in the way we answer. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we do thank you for...